BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. From KQED Public Radio in San Francisco, I'm Mina Kim. Coming up on Forum, the garment industry is a major global polluter and source of greenhouse gas emissions, and the problems made worse by a fast fashion industry that's expanding to keep up with demand for constantly changing styles. In an effort to be more environmentally conscious, many young people have started buying secondhand clothes or thrifting. This hour, in a segment produced by high school students as part of KQED's Youth Takeover Week, we talk about thrifting as an alternative to fast fashion and how to do it ethically. Join us. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Young, fashionable, and environmentally conscious consumers are realizing that buying clothes from thrift stores, or swapping or reselling them, are ways to avoid fueling a fast fashion industry that can be a major global polluter. But where there are trends, there are capitalizers. And in this hour forum, produced by high school students as part of KQED's Youth Takeover Week, we look at sustainable fashion, thrifting, and how to do it ethically. Joining me now, Joy Cheng, a member of KQED's Youth Advisory Board and co-producer of today's segment. Joy attends Lowell High School. Joy Cheng, thanks so much for joining us. Hello, thank you for having me. Also with us is Melina Kritikopoulos, a senior at Santa Clara High School, also a member of KQED's Youth Advisory Board and co-producer of today's segment. Melina, thanks for being here as well. Hi, thank you for having me. And I should also note that Melina and Joy co-produced today's show with Genevieve Schweitzer. So, Melina, I'll start with you. This is a great segment topic. Thank you so much for co-producing this. Can you tell us when you started thrifting? Yeah, so I sort of started thrifting my freshman year of high school. I'm a senior right now. And um, it was really just because my friends were into thrifting, so they kind of brought me into that world. And I've always really liked dressing uh, different from how my peers dress. So I really liked that that world of thrifting because there were very unique pieces to be found. And yeah, um, yeah I've just started kind of thrifting about like four years. Ago. How about you, Joy? When did you start and how did you start? So my situation is a bit different from Melina. I started um, out of financial situations back in 2008, approximately um, because of the financial crisis then. And so I would go thrifting at local thrift chains with my mom. And so that became a habit throughout the years. And I've just continued thrifting throughout high school. 
Why have you continued it, Joy? Um, in particular, it's because of sizing. Um, I'm five feet tall, which is quite short, and I normally have some trouble finding um pants, especially. Uh, but also because of trends, I think they come and go quite fast, and so I think thrift stores give me the option to explore different styles. So, Melina Critikopoulos, where did you tend to go, especially pre-pandemic when you went thrifting? Um, I primarily went to a Goodwill that's near my house, and then sometimes I would、uh, go to vintage shops as well. How about you, Joy Ching? Um, I went to Thrift Town, which is a local Bay Area thrift chain when I was younger. But more recently,、um, it's the Salvation Army in the Mission District, and also some Goodwills. Do you thrift online, Joy?、Um, I do not. How about you, Melina? I do, and there's a site that I usually use called ThreadUp, which is basically just like a Goodwill but、uh, online. And so I've used that more primarily during the pandemic because it's been harder to get rides to Goodwills and、uh, in-person shops. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And there have been a few platforms that have cropped up that have been doing really well during the pandemic, right, Melina? Yeah,、um, there's this site called Depop, which is a little bit different from.、Um, ThreadUp. ThreadUp is、uh, kind of this own platform where people can just donate, similar to a Goodwill.、Um, but Depop would be something that's more of a business that people have turned it into, where they would go and thrift, and then they resell the products on their own, kind of creating a small business aspect to it. I see. So, why do you thrift, Molina?、Um, I thrift for a few reasons.、Um, first, it's just kind of the style. I really tend to go towards like、uh, fashions of like the '40s and '50s. So. Um, that is not going to be found in a、uh, in a fast fashion store since the styles today definitely are not reminiscent of that. But I also really just thrift for like the sustainability aspect and the ethics of it. It's just I don't find anything enticing about fast fashion anymore, knowing what I know about it.、Um, it's really awful for the environment. The treatment of garment workers is horrible, and the clothes just really aren't that cute. I don't find. Any of the styles of today really suiting my personal style, so thrifting just is easier and better for me all around.、Hmm. How about you, Joy? Does the sustainability aspect figure into some of your the reasons why you thrift as well as the economic ones? I think it's definitely an additional benefit.、Um, economically, I see that a lot of the prices、um, in fast fashion stores are similar to thrift stores, anyways. And so I feel that if I can have a sustainable option that comes at the same cost,、um, that would be much better. Well, Joy Cheng, thanks so much for talking with us. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Joy Cheng is a member of KQED's Youth Advisory Board, a senior at Lowell, and helped co-produce today's segment. And I'd like to now invite Jennifer Wang into the conversation. Jennifer Wang is a designer and former sustainable fashion blogger behind the Sustainable Siren blog. Jennifer Wang, welcome to Forum. Hi, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me.、Uh, one of the things that I'm struck by when I I hear Melina and her Joy talking about thrifting is that it, it isn't a new thing, right? Like I did it in high school too. For me, it was for financial reasons, in the sense that you could only stretch your babysitting money so far at the mall, and so you would get a lot more at the thrift store. And as Melina was saying, you get some really unique things. But one of the things that I do hear that's different、um, from what I was really conscious of、uh, from Melina. 
enjoy is is the consciousness aspect of it. I don't think I really pay that much attention to sustainability and trying to be socially conscious in my decisions. Is that something you're noticing too and that, that you also started to realize as a fashion designer? Uh, yeah, I think that, um, you know, most consumers have become very conscious of sustainability. I think it's one of those things where once you know, it's really hard to turn a blind eye once you find out about the way that fast fashion causes environmental degradation or the way that some workers are treated, I think most people, you know, they have that goodness in their hearts and they want to do better. When did you start learning about sort of fashion's quote unquote darker side? I started learning about the darker side of fashion when I was in my first year of studies uh, studying fashion design at Parsons. And, you know, prior to that, I, you know, just engaged with fashion kind of as a way for self-expression. I didn't know about that darker side of the industry. And so my first exposure to that was in a class uh, setting where uh, we started to learn about, um, you know, the way that fashion impacted the environment, uh, the treatment of workers, uh, the sheer amount of waste that the industry does generate. And it was just really eye-opening. And I think the other big difference between then and now in terms of you realizing those things at an early age was the fact that there there weren't online sellers as there are now. And I actually want to talk a little bit more about that with um, a reporter from Vox. Terry Wynn is with us. Terry Wynn, welcome to Forum. Hi, thank you for having me. Uh, you're a reporter for The Goods at Vox. Can you talk a little bit about the, a little more about the online sellers that, that Melina was talking about earlier, Depop and the like? What are they exactly? How do they work? Yeah, so over the past decade, but definitely within the past couple of years, there's been a rise in the number of marketplaces in which people could sell thrifted, handmade, or vintage goods. And so these sites are known as Depop. You can see them on Etsy, Mercari, Poshmark. And for a lot of uh, Gen Z or young buyers, a lot of them shop on Depop. And um, this isn't necessarily anything new, but there is kind of an increasing number of young people who go to their thrift stores and they see things that they wouldn't necessarily wear, but think they could, you know, turn a profit or sell to others in their peer group. And they would usually list these items on a site like Depop or Poshmark. And Melina, you learned a little bit about this as you were co-producing today's segment. Can you first talk about sort of the good side of this for people who use it as a great gig or side hustle if they need some money? Yeah, so um, there's definitely sort of a, a popular um, trend to it. And uh, a lot of people do find a pretty good profit from it. I used to follow a few YouTubers who that was actually their pri primary um, source of like finances. So um, there's definitely a positive in that uh it's kind of you are your own you are your own boss you kind of have that small business aspect to it so a lot of resellers do find a, a, a pretty good profit from it because people will pay a lot for something if you're labeling it correctly as something like vintage um and it just kind of takes out from the buyer's perspective it takes out that um that aspect of having to go into a thrift store and dig through bins to find good things. Um, and you kind of get the benefits of an online store where you can just sort of look up what you want and it's right there for you. So people do 
um, tend to lean towards it. And so resellers can make a pretty good profit from it. And it sounds like you're also appreciating people's fashion sense, their eye, they go, they find some good things, which is half the battle, right? When you're at a thrift store. Yes, absolutely. Um, a few of those like YouTubers I had mentioned before, um, a lot of times the prices are a bit higher on Depop and a lot of resellers will claim that uh, it's because they are having to dig through all those piles and find the right things that uh, maybe an, un an untrained eye would not be able to find. And the other thing that you were saying, Jennifer Wang, was one of the downsides of the fashion industry is all the waste. So this is one way where if you're buying from, from people who have basically repurposed a repurposed item, you're continuing to keep it out of landfill? Yes, definitely. Um, I think that, you know, thrift stores are great for, you know, there's a chance that a garment that you no longer need could end up as a garment in somebody else's wardrobe. And, you know, that cycle can continue. So it's definitely far better than just throwing a garment away after you're done with it as an alternative. We're talking about sustainable fashion with Jennifer Wang, designer and former sustainable fashion blogger behind the Sustainable Siren blog. Terry Wynn is with us, a reporter for The Goods at Box. And Melina Kritikopoulos, a high school student, a senior at Santa Clara High School, who co-produced today's segment, uh, who is a member of KQED's Youth Advisory Board. It's part of KQED's Youth Takeover Week. And this is a topic that's looking at trying to be more conscious when you buy clothes and thrifting as one of those options. But there is also another side to this that we'll get into after the break. But before we do, I want to invite you, our listeners, to join the conversation. Do you thrift? Do you buy or sell secondhand clothes online? What are your thoughts on it? What do you do with a piece of clothing when you're done with it? Give us a call at 866-733-6786. Again, 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch on Twitter or Facebook at KQED Forum or email your questions and comments to forum at kqed.org. This listener writes, during the early punk days, we students used to get our expensive 50s suits at dollar a pound in Boston. The floors were piled high with jeans ready for recycling. This doesn't happen so well anymore because of all the blended spandex. It's not even comfortable and doesn't look as good as people think. If we get the industry to stop blending synthetics and cotton, it would be easier to recycle fabrics at the end of life. We'll hear from more of you after the break. Stay with us. I'm Mina Kim. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. You're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're talking about sustainable fashion in a segment that was produced by high school students for KQED's Youth Takeover Week. We're talking about thrifting or buying secondhand clothes as a solution to combat fast fashion. And joining us for that is Melina Kritikopoulos, a senior at Santa Clara High School, Terry Wynn, reporter at the Goods, reporter for the Goods at Vox, and Jennifer Wang, designer and former sustainable fashion blogger. And you, our listeners, are with us. Tell us, do you thrift? What have you noticed? 
noticed about how thrifting works these days? Do you buy or sell secondhand clothes online? What the, what's that like for you? What do you do with a piece of clothing when you're done with it? Call us 866-733-6786 to join the conversation. Get in touch on Twitter or Facebook at KQED Forum. Email us, forum at kqed.org. And Terry Wynn, so I was really stunned in reading your piece for Vox at the secondhand apparel market was booming. I mean, can you talk about its value? Yes. So the secondhand market has actually contributed to the decline of the fast fashion industry over the past couple of years. I think in the thread up report, um, it is valued somewhere around $28 billion in 2019 and is expected to be even higher by 2024. I think somewhere around $65 billion. So with its popularity, I mean, you mentioned one of the positives, which is that it's really influencing, it sounds like, the fast fashion industry, which we can get into more in a second. But but clearly there is there is money to be made. And so how are some people capitalizing on this? And what are the ways that the capitalization of this trend is starting to raise questions for people, Terry Wynn? Yeah, so um, I would say that there are various different kinds of sellers. You know, there are some people who are simply emptying out their closet. So they're putting their clothes for half the price that they sold on Depop or Poshmark. I think um, the greater conversation has been happening primarily on TikTok or on Twitter is that there are a lot of people who have extra time to go to the thrift store and then they buy up, um, you know, bags of clothing and then they resell it for double or triple the price um, on these resale apps. And uh, there's just a string of conversation about overconsumption and whether um, they're really taking away from the shoppers who might need it most at these thrift stores. Um, and that piece, you know, addresses how this is a very complicated issue. <laughs> there really isn't, you know, a bad person here. Um, it's not bad if you, you know, buy from thrift stores. But you know, this raises a lot of questions about kind of the cycles of consumption that we've gotten used to, especially as fast fashion grows more prominent and becomes more faster um, in regards to their speed of production. Huh, interesting. Well, this listener tweets, my beloved thrift town in El Sobrante was an early Bay Area business casualty. More recently, Goodwill closed eight East Bay stores. This is incredibly frustrating at a time when so many are struggling financially and changing in size up or down with the pandemic. This is something that I find kind of interesting because um, Terry Wynn, at least anecdotally in my area, the the Goodwill was basically overwhelmed by too many donations. And so I'm wondering what is causing some of these other places to close when it seems like many are awash in donations. Right. Um, I can't really speak to that just because I think the finances of each individual goodwill, depending on kind of the location, um, is different. But there was, you know, this report or just a lot of news articles about how during COVID, a lot of Americans emptied out their closets um, and, you know, donated to charity shops, Goodwill, Salvation Army. And to be honest, there just isn't enough space for all these clothes. Um, and so, you know, even if you're donating something to a charity shop, it might not necessarily um, end up in someone else's closet. Like most of the time, according to the academic I spoke to who studies these secondhand markets, she says that it's more likely going to a landfill or being sold by the ton overseas. Melina, one of the things that Terry brought up was the fact that people are concerned that resellers are going to, are basically like raiding thrift stores and then there aren't enough items either for people who are at stores 
at going to thrift stores for financial reasons, or maybe it's driving up prices. I know you you spoke with a couple of thrift stores. Are they really upping prices in response to that? Just because as as Terry is talking about this this question of inventory, it sounds like there's a lot of donations coming in. Yeah, um, I actually only spoke to one thrift store, and it's actually a salvage yard. It's um, Urban or Thrift in uh, Berkeley. And so they have a lot of product, and they kind of said that their product is, like, never-ending. Um, they said they, they really pride themselves on being there for people who for, for people from any socioeconomic class. So um, they said that regardless of if people come in and buy out complete large bags of clothing, they will keep their prices very low. Um, it uh, regard, yeah, again, regardless, mm. like if if there are people coming in. And so, Terry, do you think that that upping prices is really a big and widespread problem at thrift stores as a result of people buying lots of stuff there? Yeah, I'm not entirely sure I can speak to whether that is actually happening or not. But um, again, the academic I spoke to said that there has been throughout its history, Goodwill and Salvation Army have, you know, tweaked prices depending on kind of demand, supply and demand. And so mm. although they are, you know, these not for profit organizations, they still do operate under a similar sort of corporate model that um, tries to, um, you know, get sales. But they constantly have a stream like more streams of clothing coming in more so than they could always sell. And so. So, um, you know, the records of these organizations are hard to come by just because you know, they're not for profit. They're not actual corporations. Um, but anecdotally online, people have said that they've noticed that. But again, this isn't the result of, you know, buyers. This is a choice by these um, organizations. I see. One last thing I want to touch on before I go to calls is in your piece, Terry, you also mentioned that there are concerns that maybe there's some consumer consumer exploitation going on, meaning that that you know, young consumers might not really be able to discern a true vintage item if it's being marketed that way, say, on a site like Depop. Yeah, so there are a lot of problems on resale markets just because the seller can pretty much place whatever price they want in the item. And if it sells, it sells. And so I think I've spoken to a few Depop sellers and they say that, you know, their biggest concern is um, drop shipping, which is when a person buys um items from, you know, a manufacturing company and then sells to someone on the guise that it's handmade or it's unique or something. But definitely um, selling items and tagging it as vintage or tagging it wrongfully is also a problem. But I do think that sellers have said that this is not as big of a deal as um, drop shipping or kind of, you know, fast fashion masquerading as a handmade shop. Hmm. Well, let me go to caller Amy in Castro Valley. Hi, Amy, join us. Hi, um, I have a, a slightly different take, I guess, on um, utilizing thrifting and buying secondhand. Um, I try to make personally ethical choices. Um, for example, uh, the Harry Potter books, um, I personally don't want my money going directly towards the author who's been um, outspokenly invalidating trans people in their lives. Um, but I do see a lot of value in those stories. Um, so the books and the merchandise and everything, I will buy secondhand um, because it is already out there and the works do have value, um, but I can make a personally better decision about where my money is going to be going. Huh. Amy, thanks for sharing that. Uh, let me go to Alicia in Oakland. Hi, Alicia. Why, why do you thrift? 
Well, I, you know, sort of for all the many of the reasons that people have said, but also for an unusual reason, I have two wonderful thrift stores locally that I can walk to, and they're smaller. What happens is what I find when I go to department stores or a discount a place like Ross or Marshalls or Lowe's, I get completely overwhelmed. Um, they often feel either there's just too much or they're very disorganized. And I, I can't, I find I can't tolerate it, but my lovely local thrift stores, they're small. I can go through, be relaxed. I'm done quickly. I know if I found something I like or not, and I leave again. But also I get to know the people that work there and they get to know me. Um, and so it's, I'm so much more comfortable in general going there than someplace huge and anonymous and, uh, and overwhelming for me. Well, Alicia, thanks for sharing that reason. I mean, there are so many. I'm going to read a couple of comments. Julie writes, I'm in my 50s and started thrifting as a kid. Almost all of my clothes came from thrift shops. I was also into vintage things and dressed very differently than anyone else at school. I ended up winning best dressed my senior year. I don't thrift as much now because I try to buy quality items that are weird yet timeless. Pre-pandemic, I would host clothing swaps with my girlfriends. And I also pass things on to my nieces who are in their 20s. They used to think my sense of fashion was really strange but now they think it's cool. Uh, Sarah writes, what do you do with the clothes that you know won't sell or waste fabric? H&M used to take it, but I don't know what with this pandemic, if they're still doing that. I've been wondering what to do other than throw stuff in the trash can. So Jennifer Wang, a couple of reactions I have to the kinds of things that we're hearing. One is, you know, based on the, the fact that they're are a lot of people again who are into to thrifting based on the fact that there are a lot of different reasons and and benefits to it is that having a strong influence on the fast fashion industry meaning that they are realizing this and and actually making changes yeah i think that you know actually most companies now have put forth a dialogue or a statement about sustainability i will say that there are varying degrees of you know how much follow through there is and how much they are actually doing to be more sustainable but i think that they've picked up on this sentiment amongst consumers that this is really important to them and if they want to be able to keep existing as a business that they need to make this a priority for them as well and so, for example, when when Sarah's asking about a brand like H and M, what what do you see them doing differently? Just to take them as an example, because they they kind of are um, they they sort of epitomize the definition of fast fashion as well as Forever Twenty One and other brands like that. Yeah, definitely. I think you know H and M is one of those brands that they met the pitch por- pitchforks very early on <laughs> because they sell so many fast fashion items, and so. Um, Right. They have that. They did have that initiative in store where you could bring your old garments there and they would be recycled. And so um, I think it we don't always know, um, you know, what happens to the garments that are you know, left in the drop boxes, um, how much of that is actually recycled or how much of that might actually just be ported to a landfill. But I think that it is still really important to, you know, have that dialogue and you know have a solution maybe it's not perfect but it is it is better than nothing right can you talk about circularity and designing for circularity what does that mean 
Yeah, so the concept of circularity is the idea, as it pertains to fashion, it's this idea of a garment that doesn't end up in, you know, doesn't have a linear kind of life cycle. So it's not something that's created and then it just ends up in a landfill at the end of its lifespan. It's the idea of a garment that perhaps once you're done with it, you could pass it on to a family member or a friend. Uh, maybe it gets donated to a thrift store and ends up in someone's wardrobe. Uh, maybe that person ends up reselling it on a secondhand platform. And then one day at the end of its life, we you know hope that this garment has been through a couple users, that garment could be recycled and uh, processed into new material that could be used to make new garments. So um, it's this idea that you capture a garment uh, through its entire life cycle and nothing ever truly ends up in a landfill where you know it can never be reintroduced. Well, Allison writes, wondering if your guests have resources or insights into how to discard fabric scraps. I'm thinking of things that are at the end of their usable life after clothing fabric has been reused, recycled into a rag. It is now just bits and pieces. Would love to divert from landfill if at all possible. Do you have any ideas, Jennifer Wang? Yeah, so um, a lot of, so this is definitely like an issue because um, at a certain point, you know, if you keep recycling fabric, it does lose its quality. And so I've seen that, you know, when it's not good enough to be used for durable clothing, um, it's been recycled and used for uh, filling in furniture or insulation. Um, one thing that I do sometimes when I have a garment that I feel like it's just, it's not really great quality to donate is I cut it into square uh, square pieces of fabric and you can use that as rags or I kind of turn them into dog toys. Um, so those are just a few like kind of consumer, you know, friendly ideas of what you can do if you do feel like you have something that just is not really going to have another uh, another point of life with a different person. And I guess ultimately, if it's on the verge of disintegration, that's a lot smaller. It's a lot smaller thing, I guess, to send a landfill than, say, a whole uh, rag or, or piece of clothing, too. Um, well, let me go to caller Delilah in San Francisco next. Hi, Delilah. Hi, Nina. Hi, everyone. Um, thank you so much for this really uh, important conversation. I own a resale and consignment shop in San Francisco called Relove. And, you know, I really wanted to call in because, you know, part of sort of the, the you know, the pillar of our ethos um, at Relove is sustainability accessibility as part of the conversation, a key conversation in sustainability. So when we're mm. talking about sustainability, we really have to talk about also accessibility and pricing, right? So part of the reason why these fast fashion companies, not part, I mean, in large part, the reason why they're so successful and appealing is because of these really low prices. And so if we're having, you know, resale shops and, and online stores taking these secondhand items and selling them at huge premiums, and it's really only accessible to people with deep pockets, then how are we really contributing to that conversation, right? Because people are going to continue to go for the lower cost items. So I think accessibility is a really key part of this conversation um, because, you know, if we say sustainability is, you know, meeting the needs of today without, you know, compromising um, the needs of tomorrow, right? The resources of tomorrow, excuse me. So I think we can meet those needs 
um, with the excess of clothing that we have, if we're talking about, you know, fashion in particular, with the excess clothing that we have, if we are really thoughtful about pricing, and I think that that's a really key mm. and important conversation that I would like, you know, for your um, panel to kind of uh, touch on. I know you touched on it a little bit, but I, I would love to um, sort of present that point. Yes. Well, Delilah, thanks. Terry, when do you have any thoughts on this? Yeah, I do think, you know, when we talk about pricing, there are so many different kind of sellers out there, as I mentioned earlier. And, you know, a lot of the discourse online has been targeting a lot of, you know, younger women who are starting out their businesses and might not entirely, you know, know pricing as well. Um, But I do think that it's important to say that there have been retailers um, like Urban Outfitters, for example, and there have been concentrated corporate efforts to resell clothes and upsell it. Um, But I think when I talk to a lot of, you know, just regular thrift shoppers um, for this piece, a lot of them say that they do, you know, if they're shopping on a budget, they do tend to avoid those retailers and they go straight to the source. And, um, you know, when you're at a thrift store, I think someone on this panel earlier said that the pricing of an item maybe at their local charity shop is comparable to something found on a fast fashion site. So I do think it, you know, it depends on the needs of the consumers. There are definitely people out there you know, upselling prices for a certain type of buyer. But um, the good thing about these, you know, charity shops and kind of Depop is you can find um, really affordable items on there and then you don't have to resort to shopping fast fashion. Again, Terry Wynn is a reporter for The Goods at Vox. We also have Jennifer Wang with us, designer and former sustainable fashion blogger behind the Sustainable Siren blog. Also with us is Melina Kritikopoulos, a senior at Santa Clara High School and co-producer of today's segment, Thinking About Sustainable Fashion and Thrifting and How to Do It Ethically. Melina Kritikopoulos is also a member of KQED's Youth Advisory Board, and this is Youth Takeover Week. And you are joining us, our listeners, with your comments about whether you thrift, what you think about it, about buying or selling secondhand clothes, and what you do with a piece of clothing when you're done with it. 866-733-6786. 866-733-6786. Email address forum at kqed.org. You can also get in touch on Twitter or Facebook at KQED. Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Stay with us. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're talking sustainable fashion, thrifting, and how to do it ethically with Melina Kritikopoulos, a senior at Santa Clara High School and co-producer of today's segment, Terry Wynn, a reporter at The Goods at Vox, Jennifer Wang, a designer and former sustainable fashion blogger. You, our listeners, are with us at 866-733-6786. And uh, email address forum at kqed.org. Post your comments on Twitter or Facebook at KQED Forum. So one of the things I just wanted to quickly ask you about, Terry Wynn, was um, just one of the big things that a lot of the the people that you have interviewed have pointed to is is that 
consumption, our consumption habits when it comes to clothes play a really big part in the way that the fast fashion industry operates and expands. Can you just talk a little bit more about that relationship? Yeah, so our consumption cycles and in conjunction with kind of how frequently fashion is produced has significantly sped up over the past couple of decades. And one really interesting thing I've heard from academics who've studied these markets is that, you know, people are encouraged to clean out their closets, to donate their clothes, that this is, you know, a charitable act and is a benefit to society. But when in fact, when they do so, they're actually contributing to this consumption pattern because they're clearing out their closet, you know, for more. And more often than not, they're buying from firsthand sources, not usually from secondhand sources. And so, you know, the most sustainable thing I've heard from um, some sustainable um, advocates is for you to just keep your clothes and use them and, you know, reuse them and turn them into, you know, other products when you no longer need them rather than sending them to the landfill. And... uh we actually have someone with us now who wrote some of these tips, uh, a staff writer for the Daily Cal, Elisa Dombro. Hey, Elisa, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me here. Can you talk to us about some of the tips that, that you have put out there for people to not <laughs> go out there and buy a bunch of clothes, ways that uh, they can avoid doing that and how to keep their clothes uh, as well? Yeah, of course. Um, so one of the things I've been trying to do a lot lately is as much as I love uh, going to thrift stores and thrift shopping, trying to also think about the ethical implications there and the social justice issues um, of buying only secondhand and potentially taking away pieces from from people that can't afford to buy new clothing. Um, so a lot of the things I do are buy secondhand, but not necessarily from thrift stores. So I'll buy secondhand from things like Facebook Marketplace, or um, I'm a college student. So my college campus has various buy and sell groups on different forms of social media. Um, I'll also do things like I have a few friends that I know I'm around the same size as. So I know if they're doing a closet clean, I'll try and reach out to them. Um, and a lot of that is kind of about building up a little bit of community of people that are interested in clothing and buying and selling clothing secondhand, being able to kind of reuse items until they're basically about to break. Um, so if that also is just trying to buy items and repurpose them and finding things that I used to wear like years ago, and now I can kind of cut it up and get creative with it and make something new. So those are kind of some of the things I've been exploring and trying to encourage friends to explore as well. Yes, I loved your tip about shopping in your own closet because it is, because it is really true. If you if you look at your closet again in a new way, in a new frame, you may actually be able to see a lot of new clothes out of it. Yeah, 100%. It's one of my favorite things to do. And that's that side effect of like never getting rid of things is eventually I go back and I'm looking through these things from years ago or things of my older sister or things like that. And I'm finding, hey, this fabric is actually really cool. You know, I don't like the shape of this, but I could use this and make something else with it or use a bit for for a new shirt or a scarf or anything like that. So that's one of my favorite things to do. Elisa Dombro, a staff writer at Daily Cal. You can find her article there. Thanks so much for talking with us. And let me go to caller Christian in Palo Alto. Hi, Christian. Hey, how's it going? Um, I feel like I'm the king of thrift shopping. I love the thrift shop. I've done it pretty much my whole life since I was able to go to the store by myself. And I feel like people always say, if you go to thrift stores a lot, 
and you'll have money to go shop at outlets for like things that you really want. And I found that that's not actually how it works. Once you start shopping at thrift stores, you can't stop and you'll just be like, why would I ever spend full price on something when if I'm patient, I can probably just find it or something close to it at the thrift store. I'll also say one of the earlier comments about like, are they getting more expensive? In my experience, I've seen the prices of thrift stores go up and it's sort of sad because it's like, it was sort of like a hidden treasure that I had found And now I feel like it's becoming more mainstream and prices are going up. Thanks. Mm. Well, Christian, thanks for saying that. And again, this is also echoed in some comments we have. Ray writes, thrift stores in my neighborhood have become less of a haven for lower income families to buy secondhand clothes and more of a secondhand, highly priced, more of a secondhand, highly priced goods place. But at the same time, many secondhand boutiques market themselves as thrift stores. And Jim writes, when I was growing up, thrift stores were a source of affordable clothing for people in need. If the stores are being raided by people of means, isn't that going to deprive the needy? Is this another form of gentrification? I mean, Terry, that really gets out some of the things that we were talking about earlier, also with Melina and Jennifer. Yeah, it's really just challenging to discern like whether, you know, people you know, thrifting becoming more mainstream is actively contributing to this because it just varies depending on neighborhood and kind of depending on, um, yeah, on location and kind of, you know, where a person shops and whether there's enough people like buying up clothes at that thrift store. And so I do think it's a very complicated uh, subject, which is why my article ran like 2,500 words. Um, but I think the, the root of this, um, greater issue is that people are reconsidering like how frequently should they buy, whether that be firsthand or secondhand. Um, But, you know, again, there's this looming um, understanding that we just produce way too many clothes. And let me go to Sohana in Redwood City. Hi, Sohana. Hi. I'm um, just calling because I've been thrifting my whole life and I my favorite thing about it is finding treasures. So I think people give to thrift shops because they valued something and don't want to throw it away. And I really enjoy getting those special treasures that someone passed on. And now I get to make it a special treasure for myself. So Hannah, thanks. Melina, the story part of it is something you like too, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, like I said, I'm very big on like old, older fashions. Um, and so aside from just thrift stores, I've also recently in the pandemic gotten into Etsy. And a lot of the things on there are like, you can t- tell that they were very much from the 60s or the 40s or the 50s. And um, it's really cool to just kind of, even if you don't know anything about the person who previously wore it, to kind of just think about what could what they could have been like. And the fact that you're able to now kind of um, create prolong the story of that piece of clothing, I think is like one of the coolest things. Well, Nancy writes, for those who like classics or want to incorporate them in a striking outfit, beautiful clothes of very fine quality are readily available on eBay and Etsy. For example, a fine cashmere sweater made in Scotland that may be 30 years old, but in perfect shape. And Pat writes, I've never earned much money, but I like quality things. Most of the things I own are used, but I have great things. I much rather buy used quality things than buy new lower price things. I buy everywhere, thrift stores, Craigslist, Nextdoor, etc. I rarely buy anything new. Jennifer Wang is someone who's working in this industry right now. Do you see slow fashion, or is if that's the right description of it, or this move back towards fewer clothing, quality clothing that people are willing to pay for really catching on? 
Yeah, I think that, you know, actually I can speak to this like from a designer's perspective as well, that fashion currently, it moves so fast and, you know, you'll have spring, summer, fall, winter, and then uh, pre-fall resort. There's, there are so many seasons coming out and designers, there have been a lot of designers that have experienced feelings of burnout because that it is really is just so much to create in such a short amount of time. And I'm sure, you know, as a consumer, it is overwhelming to see that the trends are moving so fast and just the amount of product that there is available to purchase in stores is there's just so much to sift through. Right. And, and so that is a way that you are designing for, for slowing fashion down, (laughs) for slowing that, that whole sort of uh, that that process that that feels like it it is really on steroids. Yeah, I think you know to speak a bit more to kind of some solutions that I think can you know combat this issue. Um, I you know I've been really excited to see that um, fashion the fashion industry is starting to move towards uh, business models where it's not just about purchasing you know a brand new garment, um, but I've been seeing or uh, closet sharing kind of uh, platforms appear. And so um, it's kind of a transition from uh, fashion as a one-time object of consumption to fashion as a service. And I think uh, longer term, this is a really good move for the industry um, because right, uh, businesses need to make money to survive, but we also are cognizant of the fact that we can't continue at this rate of resource use and consumption. So um, I'm definitely, you know, supportive of the fashion industry moving towards more of a fashion as a service model to see it keep going. Can you talk about the uh, Generation F, a youth fashion movement that you're a part of, as I understand? What what are they advocating or what are you hoping uh, that a youth fashion movement can do? So Generation F is actually uh, a film project that, uh, you know, documented uh, different perspectives of youth uh and you know what they thought about the fashion industry and the future of it. So um, it's a really interesting uh, film series that's coming out that actually also includes uh, opinions from kids as well to people in their early 30s. And um, yeah, the pilot trailer is out on the website, and I believe the first episode should be coming out uh, soon this year. And the overall idea is just trying to get at solutions that involve fashion, but fashion that's not exploitative of of people on the planet, it sounds like. I think, yeah, that's definitely the, you know, that is the vision. You know, fashion is something that I think has brought a lot of joy to people, um, you know, for different reasons. Uh, For me, it's been, you know, a source of joy for self-expression and feeling comfortable with my individuality. And so I think the heart of it is that, you know, people love fashion for good reasons. And we want to see it get to this place where it isn't causing so much harm. Yeah. What what do you say to people who feel like they're really overwhelmed with like the psychic burden of trying to do everything ethically as possible? <laughs> Jennifer Wing. I think, you know, I I definitely have felt that too because it is a lot of like weight on your shoulders like once once you know and you know you want to do better, um I think that the best thing you can do is to know that like any small thing that you do still counts. And I think that it is a bit of like a ripple effect almost because, you know, just taking that one action or asking 
these, this one question to a brand, it starts a dialogue. And I think it just keeps this issue in the public awareness. Again, we're talking with Jennifer Wang, a designer and former sustainable fashion blogger, Terry Wynn, a reporter for The Goods at Vox, and Melina Criticopoulos, a senior at Santa Clara High School and co-producer of today's segment on sustainable fashion and thrifting. You're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Let me go to caller Dave in Napa. Hi, Dave. Hi. Hi, what's on your mind? Yeah. Well, I was wondering if your um, speakers might address the issue of sustainability as it uh, applies to the type of materials that go into the fabric production, because we're finding more and more this, this plastic in a lot of clothing. And when we launder our clothes, that wastewater contains a lot more microplastics. Hmm. And the microplastics are hard to take out in treatment systems. And so they end up in the waterways. How about the sustainability issue there? Dave, Dave, thanks. I guess I should go back to you, Jennifer, and just as a designer, is that also something that's being talked about a lot, is the actual materials themselves in the clothes? Yeah, microfiber pollution, is it's definitely a big issue. And I think, you know, it's something that there are some kind of small solutions to that at the moment. Um, for example, there's this product called uh, Guppy Friend, which is like a, a bag that you can wash your clothes in. Um, that is designed to trap microfibers so that um, after you're done washing it, you can kind of scoop out the fibers from the bag. And so it doesn't get washed away with um, the gray water from the washing machine. Um, But I do think that as a whole, the industry really does need to consider that these synthetic materials do, you know, lead to microfibers getting into the environment. I'm not sure, you know, what the solution necessarily is, because I think it's a complicated issue, right? There are certain performance qualities that um, are only offered by some certain synthetic materials, but this doesn't change the fact that this still is a problem that's happening. Let me thank Dave for the call and go to Lynn in Oakland. Hi, Lynn. Hi, thank you so much, Nina. What a great topic. Um, For about 45 years now, I have modeled sustainability uh, basically, it came from my matriarchs who either helped me make or buy secondhand starting when I was about five years old. And I've taken that modeling and reverberated it through my community, through my lifetime. I opened two luxury consignment shops in the Bay Area, and it's, uh, it's in Berkeley and Walnut Creek. It's called Labels. But my point is not that you need to make a profit on your secondhand pieces. My point is getting it to the place that counts. And I do love that this has become my livelihood and, again, that it reverberates to my children who now through shop and my community who I, even today when I dropped my daughter off at school, uh, the, the headmaster told me how she bought her top at a consignment shop knowing that that's what I do. But, but it's about – it's a civic and public duty to get your pieces where they count. So I recommend – when I can't take an item to a client, that they get it to a foster care organization or wardrobe for opportunity, which helps women make a fresh start and they need to look professional in doing so, or a theater group if it's something really elaborate. Um, and, and it's just easy to do, and we just have to kind of put those, those things in our Rolodex and know what to do with our pieces instead of ending up in a landfill. Of course, donating is, is great too, and if it's convenient you can 
there's organizations that will pick yeah. up from your curbside, so you don't need to drop off. Well, well, thanks for naming a couple for us, Lynn. Really appreciate that. Uh, Jessica writes, I've been thrifting on and off since my teen years. Historically, my goal was to find unique fashion pieces, but has recently become more sustainably focused. My favorite thing to thrift these days is clothing for my children. One of my favorite places to search for used children's clothing is the Kidizen app. The environmental and monetary benefits are wonderful. And Melina Kritikopoulos, at the end of it all, I also loved some personal thoughts that you shared with us before the show. Just stop buying so many clothes and learn how to fix them. Is that how you would sum up your advice to your friends? Yeah, pretty much. Um, again, like I'm more in the, the historical fashion type of realm. And uh, I've I've studied a lot on my own just about like how fashion used to work, let's just say in like the Edwardian era, people would only have like one or two key pieces that were high quality, like a lot of callers um, have mentioned, um, and they would know how to sew, they would know how to fix them. And so that piece would last through their entire life, and it would be like their staple piece. Um, so I feel like, like kind of just figuring out what you like buying the things that fit that, and then just sticking with that as your closet. Um, and if you stop liking that thing, repurpose it into something new. Um, I really feel like if we all just kind of buy less, it'll slowly start to make a difference. Well, Melina Kritikopoulos, thank you so much for pitching this topic, co-producing this segment for our Youth Takeover Week. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for letting us uh, put it out there. <laughs> Melina Kritikopoulos, a senior at Santa Clara High School. Also thanks to Terry Wynn, a reporter at Vox for the Goods, and also Jennifer Wing, designer and former sustainable fashion blogger behind the Sustainable Siren blog. Also want to thank Genevieve Schweitzer for co-producing today's show, Joy Cheng for producing today's show, and also with the support that they all got from our own forum producer, Ariana Prail. You've been listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio and the Germanicos Foundation and the Generosity Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.